On this podcast, we talk to thought leaders about feminine and masculine energy and how it shows up in our business, our parenting, and especially our relationships. We'll dig deep on any and all topics under the sun. Grab a coffee and buckle up. This is the She's the Owner podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Kara with the She's the Owner podcast, and we have a, a Ben Ivy. And so the funny thing is, is we tried to record this a week ago, and I was I slipped through it. And I never, ever do stuff like that. And so he was very gracious and... Um, and, and sweet. And so we were scheduled today. So today we finally are connecting. Um, so Ben is a lifestyle. What, what do you want to be called? Lifestyle entrepreneur, lifestyle coach. What are we sure, saying? Like, I, I usually um, phrase it as you know, CEO of the entrepreneur lifestyle. I do coaching, I do training, stuff like yeah, that. But kick-ass human. Much what we leave it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he and I have connected through, of course, the Tony Robbins community where I connect with most people, um, because it's an incredible tribe and community of people, but you've, you've learned under a bunch of different mentors. Um, so tell us a little bit of, welcome to the show. Um, Thank tell you. us a bit about, you know, your journey to, to now and how you got into this space and then we'll kind of take it from there. Sure. So, uh, the, the quick version, I had a business in Silicon Valley previously, and uh, I was rock and rolling, like all about the money, trying to move everything forward. And then I ended up losing my father to suicide, who was my best friend. And you know, that completely shook my world where I, I quit my business and I started to search about what really matters to people in life and why do us as entrepreneurs uh, get so overwhelmed and how do we create these parallel worlds where what people see in the reality is very different. And since then, as you mentioned, I've, I've worked with a, a variety of different experts from all walks of life. And I've been doing a lot of stuff out in China for uh, almost a decade now. And I feel very grateful to have been on the journey where I now help a lot of overwhelmed entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs struggling with procrastination to be able to live a great lifestyle whilst they boost them, their business. Amazing. Um, so let's get into it. I had a hard time watching your video when, I mean, I was in it. And then all of a sudden when you dropped the bomb about your dad, I was like totally gutted. And I'm, I'm even now still trying to kind of hold it together. Cause when I think about that, I, I mean, I've lost both my parents, not in that way at all. And so let's talk a bit about what, how old were you when he, when he passed? Uh, that was, seven, seven years ago or something like that. So I was in my early twenties. Okay. So talk a bit about what masculine means to you because so that, I mean, that obviously he was unhappy and obviously he wasn't living in his truth. I mean, I, that's such a trendy way to say it, but that's what's, what's real, I guess. But talk a little bit about maybe, you know, your, your childhood and and growing up, like, was he more in his masculine? Was he more in his feminine? Do you even think about those things when it comes to him? Because I feel like a lot of men, um, when they're in this attempt to be in their masculine and mature masculine, they're missing it. Like, even when you set up at the top about getting the money and you had all the stuff, like, what was kind of, what was his, zone if you will on where he was at and if you had to talk about masculine energy was it toxic or healthy sure well when when we look at the energies of both masculine and feminine and i reflect back i think that 
you know, many, many entrepreneurs, and obviously my, my dad included, I felt that there are these parallel worlds where you create. And I think that's often, you know, we can associate the image of masculine to that of having this surface of what people see, let's mask, right? And, you know, what was amazing is that he was uh, someone that gives uh, loads to other people. And I think that often what happens is you have these people that have such a big heart and they give so much. And you know, we, we can take an example of um, Robin Williams, right? Someone yeah. that gives so much to other people, but not to themselves. And you know, when, when I was reading about that, I was thinking that that's so true. And you know, I've had um, the, the privilege to be able to guide people who've be, been in that position. And I've worked with people that have been suicidal and to hear like the similarities of they're doing everything for other people, but ultimately their downfall is that overgiving. I think that's a really, really tough thing to be in. Um, so what were your models for, because I mean, this, that's what the, this is what the show is about, is talking about that really it's women who show up in this masculine energy, which is go, 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 right? Female entrepreneurs, we're always, <clears throat> we have a hard time slowing down. We have a hard time, um, relating in relationships because if we're always in hunter mode it's it, it's impossible to have good relationships so what do you, what are your thoughts around that type of i mean you work with female entrepreneurs obviously and so you yeah. and my feeling as as one is that we are the ones who will seek out a coach we we are the ones who will seek out programs we are the ones who will seek out seminars and then we, we get all into it and we're hunting and we're creating all these businesses and we're killing it and all this, but inside we're not happy because we're not living in our feminine core. And I was reading one of your clients was talking about salsa dancing. And I tell women all the time, that's the fastest way to get into your body and get into that flow. But do you have those type of conversations with your female or male clients either way, where it's like, you got to slow down and get into that heart to start to enjoy a lot of this stuff. Is that a part of the conversation with the women and men? Yeah, well, I, I take different strategies for men and women. And you, know, you, you alluded to uh, one, an example of dancing and how uh, yeah, that's a fantastic way to get into the, the sort of feminine flow. And you, you mentioned the hunter and in, um, in China, there's a, certainly many female entrepreneurs that are that hunter type of, you know, okay, tell me what to do to get a man, right? And they want the strategy, they'll go do it. They'll go hunt and they're not afraid to go speak to people. Like it's literally like it's unreal. I remember um, speaking about relationships that are like a single dating thing. And it's just unreal the confidence these women have, but it's just, it's, completely polarizing to uh, men in, in, in that scenario. And it's such a shame because it's done with all the right intentions, but the strategy is completely different. And often being able to you know, take a step back and allow yourself to experience something different, I think is important. And when you mentioned that, you know, you can't be the hunter all the time. One of the important things I think to get is, you know, you can be a hunter at work and then you can chat out at home or uh, move into these different energies. And I think it's really important to, allow people to have that uh, that gift of playing different roles depending mm -hmm. on what they're doing. And uh, for men, alternatively, I actually take a slightly different approach. And what I do is uh, I took it from uh, Julia Cameron with Morning Pages. And what I do is I often get them to write three pages as soon as they wake up without any filter. They just, the, the process is you write three pages, no more, no less, and you see what comes up. And the reason why I do this for men specifically 
is I find it very helpful for them to see the patterns of their thinking and mm-hmm. like how, how they go into those different parts of them. Because very often they like as, as men generally speaking, think in boxes, you, you can see how you go down downward spirals and you isolate certain parts of yourself. And I find that that practice is very helpful just to see the flow between them to allow them to sort of ease into it. I, I don't really tell my male clients to start dancing around immediately. Usually no. I'd like <laughs> week to, three, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like them to be able to, to lean into it where necessary. And I find that that's a fantastic process to help them move forward. And so what about the women though? Like, do you, I mean, do you see them and think, Oh man, she's, she needs to really soften. And I always say it's, like so hunter gatherer or in your head or in your heart but do you do you see these women and think boy she's really in her head and I need to help her get into her heart so that she can enjoy because it's easy to say we can be a hunter at work but then do you are there strategies that you that you come up with or think about excuse me that um you tell the women like this is how we need to balance you because it's not going to work you'll burn out yeah, like I, I think the, the biggest challenge, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is with, with, with any client, the, the moment that they can actually dip into their heart and then actually can move down that is, is when you get amazing results. But mm-hmm. the hardest thing is when people jump back. And usually I find there's reasons behind that, like it's especially with uh, the pressure that I see from a lot of parents or from families. I find that that often conditions people and they, they move into their heart for one moment and then they suddenly move back to their head. And I think that one of the best things to be able to do is, is that practice of, you know, I don't know if it's meditation, if it's breathing into their heart, I find that's a fantastic technique yeah. to help people um, move into it and connect. And I'm, I'm sure that you, you've done that practice. And I know Tony that does a lot of that, those practices as well, but I find those are certainly effective in helping, especially women to move down into the place of their heart so they can uh, allow themselves to think in different ways. The other thing that I find really helpful is looking into the communities that women spend time in, Uh, especially when I look at and I ask about their friends, very often they will hang around with a lot of hunters, right, as such. And I find that uh, I'll speak to them about other friends and they say, oh, but yeah, I don't want to do that. They they can't make a decision. They do all these different things. And and I tell them, like, I want you to spend time with those people because it allows you to unconsciously just become aware of what that different side is. And it allows you to perhaps be taken care of more as opposed to always making the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's funny because we do congregate together and I'm in a, a couple of masterminds, but I'm in one in particular that is, it's fairly new and it is a lot of hunters. And so even when I'm having, we've had our second call yesterday, a zoom call and I was talking about the feminine and it's fascinating to me and why this movement is important to me is because women have no idea because we've been conditioned to be this way in terms of, you know, how we're showing up in our, our businesses, how we're showing up at home. And it's the whole idea is we don't need a man. Yeah, I, um, I, I really agree. And I think that there's, there's something so tough in society where I see this, you need to be a strong, independent woman. And I think that it's been become conditioned to such an extent that, women believe you know, I, I don't need a man and if you if they carry on with that thing you're like you're never going to get one if you if you're a strong independent exactly. woman and it, it's not that you need one it's that you want one and yep. I think that there's there's 
there's this paradox and I feel like it really comes from this fear of being hurt. And I really see that that's for a lot of women, like something has happened and it's caused them to seek more control. They're seeking to have that over controlling and that's shown by being very successful in business in things that they can control. But when it comes to relationships, they, they often find it's a, it's a real challenge to move forward. Um, I'm not sure if uh, you, you've had clients like this, but I, I know for clients that come to me, very often they're single women who have been married before, but then they've gotten divorced very early on, right? So they often have a child and now they're thinking, you know, I have to look after my child. I'm not sure if I can let a man in. And there's, there's all these different elements that are affecting her and, and she doesn't want to spend time with different things. I can give an example. Um, there's a, a lady called Jubei in China. She has like a, uh, a company in education. And what she found was that it was so challenging to be able to be open in the places where she'd go because she wasn't sure if she was wearing the business hat or like a flow hat. And she, often knowing where you stand with people for her was, was very challenging. I'm, I'm sure that you know, people that you've yep. spoken to have also experienced that. Yeah. And, and it's, it is, it's, it's, so the way I, I look at it, it is kind of two-sided, right? So the men, we've emasculated you into a, a place of really feminine energy where you're not making decisions. You're just sort of passively along if you're married or, or in a relationship or you're as a single woman, you're just repelling every guy that you'd ever want. Cause a lot of strong women need strong men but a strong man eventually will say, this is not a pissing contest and I'm not interested in having it with you. And so off you go. But it, it is, it's just reconditioning of men and reconditioning of women. And I think it's important that we are all talking about it because I, I often say, you know, men don't put their knee on another man's throat until he dies if he's in his heart. And they don't fly airplanes into buildings if they're in their hearts. They just don't, they they don't rape women. They don't hurt women. If you're in your heart and a mother's not going to do the things she's doing if she's in her heart. And I think this, this concept of we're always up here and making these calculated decisions and we're in our ego is the thing that we just need to settle down into the heart. And I have two companies and I can run them both inside my heart. But when I'm ready to execute, I go back in my head. I go back into my you know, I got to get shit done mode. Um, let's talk a little bit about your journey into this entire practice. I know a lot of it was, I think your, your father's passing, but how did you get into Tony Robbins and you, you did the um, Madonna's training as well, I see, but talk a little bit about what your, what your business was originally and then how you ended up where you're at now. Sure. So uh, originally I was, I was doing, you know, virtual reality apps. I was doing import and export of, of, of things from you know, China and Pakistan to the UK. And I, I had my fingers in a lot of different parts. And then ultimately for, for me, it came to the decision of, do I want, I, I, um, I, I call it now that when I have this, then I will addiction. Mm. And very often, you know, when I have this, then I'll do that. And I knew that I wanted to inspire and I wanted to help people, but I felt, I felt that there was this prerequisite that I had to achieve these huge goals in business in order to be able to inspire people to think in a different way and to, to organize their life in a different way. And when it finally came to the decision and, and you know, my dad passing was obviously a trigger for that. It, it took a lot of time for me to be able to you know, go on this journey. And when it happened as a, as a man, I definitely felt that I hardened up to be the rock for other people. But mm -hmm. the, the issue with that is that, you know, my challenge is that I wanted to be happy all the time for other people. 
But the difficulty is that is that I didn't allow other people to be there for me at the same time because I was always being the rock for other people. And I know that as as entrepreneurs from from all walks of life, male or female, um, it's it's often this place that a lot of us go into where we're not vulnerable, we're not open because we are being the rock for all the other people around us. So one of the things that, that I did when I realized I was, I was going through that is I was working with people, I was connecting with them, but I felt, and perhaps you've experienced this as well, I could connect with people, but I couldn't really have a deep connection. I felt, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I always felt there was something missing. And, and what I did is I ended up flying down to one of Tony's events, uh, UPW, uh, in, in LA. And my outcome for that was to be able to open up uh, emotionally and more vulnerably to allow me to connect with people on a deeper level, right? It um, had, little did you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Four days and, of exactly that. <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, it was a fantastic experience. And, and obviously from that, um, you know, I, I now give a lot of talks. I, I cry on stage. I, I connect with people in a, in, a, in a very different way. And I found that has been very empowering for me to uh, connect with people on a different level because I feel that when people can connect with your story and they understand where you've been, it allows them to have a breakthrough whether they're aware of it or not because often it affects them on an unconscious level. So what's an example of when you've you've been really vulnerable um, as a young man? I mean, obviously, if you're crying on stage, that's a moment. But can you think of any time maybe that you could share with if there's a, a younger man listening to this podcast where they don't quite know even what it looks like, but could you give an example of when you were really vulnerable, whether it was in a relationship or a coaching moment or with, a, with your mom or something where, you know, you can just sort of, they could model after. Sure. Well, I, I think that one of the, um, one of the challenges that I, I felt that men and women both experience when they're in too much of the masculine is identifying the emotions they're experiencing and then sharing that with other people and, and saying like, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling this emotion and, and trying to identify it and understand it. And I know that, you know, very, very often uh, previously, whenever it was my dad's birthday or something like that, I know that I would experience more frustration or I, I would experience these negative emotions. I remember uh, chatting to uh, one of the, um, one of the other guys when I was in Los Angeles and then he started opening up about how his mum uh, is in jail and, and all these other things. And, you know, he's running the successful business, his mum's in jail. And it's, and it was one of those moments where when I look at Brenny Brown and, and the power of vulnerability and we think of when we're vulnerable, it allows us to connect on a deeper level. I just thought I, I had no idea. And so often when, we like it's very easy to isolate ourselves especially now in covid like we're all isolating ourselves all you're seeing is these you know, happy instagram pictures from i don't know like eight months ago and and it's <laughs> i i don't know how people are on the beach at the moment but <laughs> you know either way i think that it's that human connection that i feel we're, we're missing in in our lives and you know that's one of many moments that i see of of being able to have that courage to share something that's allowed me to connect with another human and at a deeper level. <clears throat> so what's your favorite part about coaching? Oh my God, there's so many parts. I, I, I think my favorite give me, part about Give me the coaching, top three. <laughs> okay. I think um, when, I, when I think of coaching, when I think of, for example, uh, a, a lady who approached me um, maybe two, two or three years ago, we know each other very well now, but she was suicidal at the time, couldn't see herself living past 35 and she was 34 and a half. And I remember doing 
you know, different coaching techniques. And I, I remember doing a, a parts integration and actually being incredibly fearful on the phone of, you know, I know what I'm doing, but this is like, this is someone's life. And speaking to a part of her that's, her name is Anna. And she was saying, you know, I just want to kill myself. I don't want to live anymore. Like I could do it right now. And like that, that is for me, like, I'm like, okay, I know I've got the skills, but holy shit, this is pressure. Like on an unusual level. And it's moments like that. And then, you know, we go through the process and six months later, she's saying like, you know, I, I can't believe I'm experiencing the emotions I have now. Like I don't have those huge oscillations that I used to. I don't lock myself away for like a week. And, you know, this is a lady who's flying to New York, having these massive successful ventures. And, you know, moments like that is, is why I do coaching. And that brings me alive. And then you know, there's other smaller things. Like I remember even doing like, um, just like a consultation call, right? Just chatting to someone. And I remember talking to him and I was like, in, in the most honest and most authentic way, I was like, I do not think this relationship is good for you. And he was complaining. He was, saying, he was like, yeah, but this and this. And I was like, yeah. I, I, and it's not like I'm telling him what to do. I'm like, from what you're saying to me, it feels like you're waiting for an excuse to go. You need to make a decision, right? And I met him two and a half years later. And he said to me that, yeah, that was one of the triggers. He ended up getting a divorce and now he's married to a new woman and their relationship counselors. And I'm like, what? And it's just unreal to think like that you have that, just that one conversation can allow someone to take a completely different trajectory. And it's, yeah. and it's those moments that I think are, are amazing. And I guess one of the last things, because uh, I know you asked for three, uh, is um, just what I learn from other people. Because the truth is, yeah, as a coach, you don't know everything. And like the stories that I hear, like when you know, I met someone at, at UPW when I volunteered who had a billion dollar business, lost everything. His best friend stole his private jet. He's experienced more pain than I could possibly imagine going to jail for two years, like not being able to see his family, like just unreal, like to go from that high to that low and to be able to have that gift of, you know, working with him and to be able to see that transformation is, is just unreal. Like I I feel so blessed and I I genuinely find it an incredible experience to be that uh, light for someone to help them shine brighter and live their life in a new way. That's beautiful. Um, What about, let's talk about a bit about relationships. Are you married, single? Uh, Yeah, married. Married. Okay. How long have you been married? So um, my wife and I technically got married in November, but we haven't had our wedding yet because of oh, no. COVID and everything. Right. So uh, she's so we were in a long distance relationship for about four and uh, about four and a half years before she wow. moved. Wow. Yeah. So she was in Los Angeles. I was in China doing speaking gigs. I'd like fly to her and then I go back to the UK. And people tell me, oh, you know, it's tough. They're an hour away, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm on the other side of the world, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that that was yeah, incredibly challenging. But I, I feel very blessed to, you know, her she's she's an amazing woman and she definitely makes me who who I am. And I feel incredibly grateful to have her by my side to offer me different perspectives, help me see things in a different way, and I can lean on her where I need, which which helps me to be better for for those that I serve. Hmm. So, so what's the dynamic? Do you, is there like, are you familiar with polarity and all that type of conversation? Um, my thing's falling here. Um, yeah. So, cause that's, that's the trick too. Like if, when you're with a, a strong individual, um, 
you have to figure out how to have polarity inside of a marriage. Do you, do you guys feel that you have that? Do you feel that it's nice and balanced? Um, and then the second part, part of that question is how do you continue to show up as her king and somebody that she can rely on in that way? Sure, sure, sure. So um, with regards to polarity, you know, I, I definitely think that you know, we, we have the stereotypical like uh, masculine and feminine, but I think what's also important in that is we switch roles. And I think that's, that's important of, to gain that balance, right? I can go emotionally and she can be there for me. And I think right. that one of, the, one of the challenges we had previously, and I think this is very important, um, especially for, for, for the ladies listening, that when men share, I often, it's a very common thing that men need to listen more to women. I often find that uh, one of the things is for women to listen to men and not to try and fix what they're saying as well. And, and that, that's something that I feel has been really paramount and helpful in our relationship. Um, especially in uh, sort of the Asian culture, which is, you know, I'm saying this because I love you. And often it's critical, often it's saying these things and, and that, that used to be a challenge. And the, the polarity that, that we have now is, is fantastic. I think we have a lot of fun in our relationship with different habits and routines. And ultimately for us, it's, it's kind of a, a more of an exploratory time because you know, we've been in the same place now for like six months, which is nice, uh, as opposed yeah. to you know, me jetting off every every few months so the you know i i think it's small things that really matter so you know, i'll give you an example uh in the uk it has been scorching hot uh over the past like uh, like week or so like like unreal humidity like horrendous it's literally been a sweat box in there i can't <laughs> even tell you i was on a podcast i literally had a towel and i'm wiping my face I, I, honestly because you know you've got to shut the windows and i've got i had my feet in water as i'm on this podcast wow. No, 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 honestly, because it's just so funny, honestly. And um, one of the things that, that, um, that I, I know that she loves is this, like, this new ice cream gelato place. It's like dairy-free, really nice. So in the middle of the day, I'll just go because I've got flexibility. Sometimes yep. I've got in the evenings, morning, it's fine. So I popped out and bought like a huge fat tub of this mango gelato ice cream from down the road. And then um, I bought that and then I bought a fan. And um, yeah, I, I gave it the fan. She's like, oh, that's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I walk upstairs and I'm like, oh, I tell you what we should do. We should definitely go get that ice cream later. She was like, oh my God, I could definitely do that. And I was like, could you eat it now? And she was like, yeah, I could eat the whole thing now. And I was like, go open the freezer. And it's like, I, I feel like it's like moments like that, which are the small things that really matter, that, that make mm-hmm. a huge difference in relationships. And I, I know for, for, for her, and you know, there's the five love languages. I think that personally one of the ones that are missing from that is food because uh, i think food <laughs> is a huge way which people yes. love like especially out in asia like yeah uh, a funny story of me gaining so much weight because i was misinterpreting how her family was showing love like they would give lots of food as a right. british person you're meant to finish everything that's on your plate right so in america <laughs> i've got these plates which are two times the size i, I can't even like it's funny looking back but genuinely at the time i was i was like what are these people doing like is, is this like a, is this like a, like a challenge challenge for me to finish this food to show I'm worthy of their daughter get a free I, I t-shirt I at the end I, I literally couldn't believe it and every meal the same thing I'm like I finish it I'd be sweating and they put like more stuff on my plate I'm like what is going on and I gained like oh 30 God. pounds in a month wow. it's just unreal and like, I remember looking at myself being like what has happened <laughs> when, like when I started looking back and I actually realized what happened that I started to um to reflect and and come up that the, the five language love languages obviously missing food in in, in, in my opinion but that's been helpful as well to start to understand like how, uh, where I can focus so I can love her the best. 
so that I can love her effectively. So whether that's under cooking a meal, whether that's just spending time with her and cuddling her in the morning, like I'll get up half five, do my routine, start working 6.30, do my usual stuff. And then 7.30, I'll go back to bed and give her a cuddle. Like that's just the routine now that, that works. And I think that that's important to find a routine that really works for you both. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. So what's next for you? I mean, you won't be traveling probably for a little while yet, but what, what, besides that, what's, what's on the, the agenda? Sure. Well, I've, uh, I've digitalized a lot of my content this year, given, given the situation. So I canceled all my speaking gigs in China, workshops, stuff like that. So uh, for me, really, it's uh, now about uh, expanding the impact that I'm having. So I'm launching a podcast out in China and internationally as well, helping people live a great lifestyle whilst they build their business. I see that that's a huge impact now. Like a lot of people are just hustling and hustling mm-hmm. and they're like literally burning out. I'm, I'm getting people saying they're stressed, they're overwhelmed. And, and, I, and I think that you know, obviously this period has been a challenge for businesses on, on a number of levels. But I think that being able to clarify how you, how you have that great lifestyle whilst you build your business is paramount important. So uh, I'm launching that, sorting that out, and then constantly working on the Chinese. Uh, I, I did a TEDx in Chinese, which is like fantastic, but I feel like I need to be able to get better for interviews as well so I can have this uh, in Chinese as well. Nice. And where can people find you if they want to connect? Uh, sure. So they can connect on, on, my, on my website, Ben and then dash uh, Ivy, I-V-E-Y dot com. Not Ivy like the plant. Uh, I don't need that. And then I think connect with me on most social media as well. I've, I've got a, a lot of resources and I'm sure they can find me online. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And again, I apologize for the miss last week. Um, to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your, your grace around that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm off and uh, we're actually going on a little getaway this weekend. My husband surprised me with it, which is new for him. So that's pretty, it's hot here too in Toronto. It's very hot. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, but it's lovely. So yeah, it was great talking to you and I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Lovely to meet you, Gar. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.